Hey everyone, it's Paul Oren, Union Street Hoops host, NWI Oren on Twitter. This is a podcast about Valpo basketball in the Missouri Valley Conference. I don't have a flowery intro for you today or any fake excitement. It's a sad day. It's 5.30 on Wednesday, January 6th. It's 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 really sad. What's going on is, is brutal. Um, you know, I, and I'm telling you what time it is because Lord knows what's going to happen between now and, and whenever. So... Here's uh, here's Union Street Hoops. I've got a fun episode for you today. We'll talk a little bit about Valpo basketball at the jump, and then I'll get into my interviews. I've got Ben Cricky on today to talk about being in quarantine seven times. Seven times. Here's the interesting thing about this. Ben Cricky has never had COVID, and he's been in quarantine two weeks a pop seven times. What is that, 14 times? That's a lot of days. That's a lot of days right there. I was a, it's, it's almost 100 days in quarantine. Uh, that's crazy. We also have Brett Kramer that's on, Director of Public Relations for Indiana Sports Corp. Uh, Brett was part of the team that's going to help bring the NCAA tournament to Indianapolis, as well as some outlying areas, including Mackey Arena at Purdue and some guy's name, Assembly Hall at Indiana. I don't know anything about Indiana. I just know it's called Assembly Hall. So um, no disrespect. I just don't know the name of it. So, okay, um, it's not going to be at the Ark. It was never going to be at the Ark. I've I've had people reach out to me both professionally and uh, you know like Twitter accounts of people who won't put their name on things um, who have asked like is Valpo hosting games? No, Valpo's not hosting games. Are you insane? Like it's never like Valpo. It Valpo doesn't have the facilities to do it. The court, fine. Back of house, no. It's just never going to happen, right? And so that's not going to happen. It's not at Notre Dame. It's not at Valpo. It's not at Chicago State, right? It's not. It's in Indianapolis and like some outlying areas around there. One of the other insane things that I've seen on Twitter from people who who tweet first and 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 tweet later is they should put it in the high school gyms. The courts are not the same size. Yes. You love your Indiana high school courts. Nobody else knows what they are, right? Like, I I live in Indiana. I couldn't tell you about, um, you know, I think there's something called the wigwam. I don't I don't know. I just, I'm not trying to be, like, uh, naive to things or whatever. But it's high school courts. We're talking about college basketball. They're not the same thing. And I know Indiana's loves their high school. Indiana loves their high school basketball. It's that's not the same size. And the back of house of these is just never going to work. Brett Kramer is going to be on later on. We're going to talk about about getting the tournament to Indiana. And Brett will have a lot of great things to say. Brett used to work in the Horizon League. It's going to be awesome. Um, let's talk through the Valpo timeline really quick as to how we ended up where we're at here. Um, everyone else has played a handful of conference games. Valpo has not. And the reasoning for that is COVID tests, positive COVID tests. Valpo went to Toledo and their entire traveling party tested negative before they went. Now their entire traveling party is players, coaches, managers, athletic trainers, all of that. And everyone tested negative. They go to Toledo. They come back from Toledo the next day, three people in the travel party tested positive. I don't know if they were players or coaches or managers or athletic trainers. Valpo is not giving out that information readily. Um, Okay. They canceled the game against Mount St. Joseph. 
then they retest everybody again like a day or two later, and there's a bunch more positive tests. Now, Matt Lodick has, has, has said on record that the majority of the team, the, the, I think he said the majority of the team bubble has had the virus, except, of course, from Ben Cricky, who leads the team of being in quarantine the most time. So um, Ben, during the interview, will talk about how he and then two other players have had six or seven bouts in quarantine. So Valpo hasn't played yet. And so now they're going to, you know, they, they returned to practice two days ago on the 4th. I don't think the whole team is available. That's what Lodic has insinuated. Uh, but I don't know what that means. Who's not going to be available to play? I know that Emil is not going to play. Lodic did say that. I don't know the, the status of every other individual player. We didn't go player by player or anything like that. Um, and, you know, there's some competitiveness there stuff too. If If guys are out, I don't know that they're going to, say that until they absolutely have to before they play Missouri State in the first of back-to-back games. Missouri State's good. They've got Gage Prim, one of the best big guys in the conference next to Crutwig. They've got Isaiah Mosley, who's an electric guard, who's really, really good. They've got Javonta Black, who's another really good player. I think those two guys have played together for a long time. I think it's those two guys. Um, I've got to do some research on Missouri State because I'm actually doing play-by-play for the two games on the radio this weekend. You'll hear my my wonderful voice on on uh, WVUR, Valpo Athletics stream, tune in radio app, all of that. So I'm um, looking forward to that. Should be a blast, especially Sunday. I'm going to do the game with Jamie Stangle, former Valpo women's basketball great. We're going to talk, you know, obviously we're going to broadcast the game, but we're also going to have a blast doing, um, you know, just kind of, I'm sure we'll have some stories during the game and stuff like that. So uh, it should be a lot of fun. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to that. I'll also be on color commentary on the women's game tomorrow night. Uh, Thursday night should be a blast. Okay, so Valpo's going to play. And um, finally, I'm, I'm excited. I Look, they're three and five right now. They're one and five against non-D1 teams, which Kentucky was one and five against non-D1 teams at one point. I'm not comparing the two. I'm just saying that, look, it this is a strange year. And I, I'm, I'm blown away by people who are using whatever happens this year in any sport as a litmus test for that program. I can't believe that major Division I football programs have fired coaches based on their performance this year. Nothing about this year is normal. And yes, you can be frustrated if the team doesn't win or all of that stuff. But like, look, Val, Val, like it's one thing to say, oh, the guys are in quarantine, they're not playing. And they're just out of our mindset because we're not around. No, like Ben Cricky sat in a in a four-wall box for a hundred days so he could play basketball. He has not been in the gym very much, right? Like it's just it's not been a great experience for Cricky or any of these guys at any school. I'm not just talking Valpo, right? You have to go into quarantine. You shut down. You're not, you don't see anybody, right? And uh, yeah, so pretty crazy. Um, I'm excited to see Valpo back on the court. You know, it's, it's January. It'll be January, what, 9th, 8th or 9th by the time, 9th by the time that we see uh, a conference game, which will be the latest since, uh, I don't think it's 17 years, 18 years. So I'm excited to see that. So, okay, I'm done rambling. Here's Ben Cricky. After that, Brett Kramer. I think you're going to enjoy both of these interviews. And I'll see you, uh, I'll hear you on the radio, or you'll hear me on the radio this weekend. And then um, and then we'll be back next week, Union Street Hoops. And maybe we can get into just talking about basketball as opposed to people scaling the Capitol walls because they didn't get their way. I don't know. 
We'll see. Okay, here's Ben Cricky. Ben Cricky, thanks for being here. It has been a crazy, I don't know, year for you. You guys are just coming out of quarantine again. We, I, the, the first time I saw you like all year was at the UIC game and you'd kind of, you had this nice beard going on and, and you kind of joked that it was a quarantine beard. And then you said that you had been in quarantine six different times and we kind of laughed about it, but like, it's really not something to laugh about. Can, you just come out of your seventh time in quarantine. Can you kind of take me through just what quarantine is like and what this whole experience has been like for you? Yeah, obviously. I mean, you said it, it's been a tough year for me. And I mean, just like everybody else, I mean, we're all trying to get through this pandemic, trying to get it over with and everything. But quarantine, I mean, obviously very boring, just hanging out in your room, not a lot to do. Um, try to stay in contact with teammates, coaches, uh, family, especially just trying to keep busy, uh, trying to stay sharp. Um, did allow me some opportunity to, to pick up some some new skills or kind of, uh, I got into kind of researching the stock market and things. So that's pretty interesting. Just kind of got to pick up some new, new habits and hobbies and things. So there's definitely some pros, but I mean, it was pretty tough just being isolated for, I mean, seven times, two weeks. That's, that's quite a lot of time. So. Yeah, that's, uh, that's like 84 days or something like that. Maybe even more than that. I'm not exactly sure what, um, I want to I want to kind of go through the journey a little bit if I can, because the first time you went into quarantine, obviously going to Canada and coming back, and I, I don't know your the story of all these, but the first time you went into quarantine was it alarming? Was it what what was the general idea or thought process going through your brain? Yeah, I mean the first time I came back uh, or I went back to Canada was the end of last March, uh, just after the tournament. So. Um, fear was at an all time high, I think. So, I mean, coming back from the plane and everything, uh, being in the airports and, and things like that, it was, it was honestly pretty scary. I mean, you hear the stories of what happened in China and Italy and everything. So I try to stay as careful, as careful as possible, wear my mask as, as much as possible and everything. And then just coming home, uh, my parents didn't really know what to expect. So they just kind of made me drive myself home from the airport. Uh, they dropped off a car and then um, just kind of went straight to, the, straight to the basement room and hung up there for, for 14 days. Wow. And so then you got to hang out at home for a while. Then you come back to Valpo and do you have to do it all over again? Yeah. So there was another little travel quarantine going on and uh, same kind of deal. Wasn't, wasn't a lot to do. And and uh, I mean, it was nice to be back and everything, but obviously there's that little buffer window when you can't really do too much or see too many people. So, yeah. And then you, I imagine those are two of the quarantine times. And now we've got this whole contact tracing thing coming in. Um, mm -hmm. What is, does, does that come in the form of a phone call from Lodic or from Gore or somebody that says, hey, Ben, sorry to tell you, but you're going to be eating cardboard lunches for the next three weeks or whatever. Like how, how are you informed? And, and then what's the process here? Like, do you, do you get to pack a go bag and like go hang out somewhere else or what, how does that work? I think the first, well, actually number three and four, I think they kind of just all blend together in my mind now, but <laughs> um, I think how it went was Ken and uh, the training staff 
along with the health center, kind of notify you. And then they just tell you, hey, do you have your own space to quarantine? And uh, do you have your own bathroom and things like that? And then uh, you just start. So that's kind of how it went. This would be difficult for anybody, let alone a elite level division one basketball player who needs to get in shape for arguably a very big season for you. I, you know, the, the team is the way that it looks was, well, you know what? They lose Javon, but Valpo is going to be pretty good. They got these two young sophomores. Was, was there a lot of pressure? Did you feel kind of coming into this year, knowing that you're going to go from a, from a, from a, a, a important role to a much bigger role on the team? Uh, no, I wouldn't say I felt really any pressure. I mean, I just come in with the same mindset every day, you know, uh, just trying to work out, get better, and uh, chips fall where they may. But uh, no, I didn't really feel any pressure. I was just ready to go. Obviously, with all the quarantines, it's, it's tough to stay consistent in working out and, and trying to build a rhythm with things like shooting and a lot of different things I was working on uh, throughout the summer. But I mean, that's just the way life is right now. So when I'm back, I give it my all. And then when I'm not, I just still try to stay sharp as much as I can. You guys are are back. You start practice. You, you, things are going in a good, positive flow. And then again, you get the shutdown message. Um, was it uh, was it difficult to have to hit the brakes on basketball and, and, and go back into quarantine? Yeah, it's always tough. Uh, I mean, the first couple, well, I keep saying first couple, but it was actually three and four and probably five were kind of before the season. So we were just missing practices, not really games. Uh, obviously it's a little bit different now that we'd uh, be missing our first couple of conference games. So that's a little tough. Uh, but I mean, like I said before, it's just, it's a year we're living in. So we got to adapt uh, when we're in the gym, just give it our all and uh, try to pick up some games whenever we play them. You are, I've known you for a year and a half now, I think. Um, you're a pretty smart, responsible individual. I imagine you're not going out and putting yourself in harm's way. It feels like a lot of bad luck for you. Um, do you lead the team in bad luck right now as it comes to, to quarantining? Yeah, so I think I'm at around seven. I think Brock has six or seven now. Saki's got six. So I lead, but not by much. It's just one or two quarantines, so... Well, you know what? I, you and Saki both had international quarantines you had to do. So I'm not sure what Brock's excuse is. So, um, but maybe he's got the bad luck. So Matt Loddick said yesterday to the Missouri Valley Conference media on, a, on a, the teleconference that um, you guys went to Toledo, you came back, there were three positive tests, more testing was done. And then he said, like, there were a whole bunch more. I know this is a tricky question. Some people want to talk about it. Some people don't. Have you had COVID? And if you have, like, what has that experience been like? No, I never had it. So this is even crazier to me that you have been in quarantine seven times and you've never had it. Whereas I know, I mean, I don't know who, but from what Lodic is saying, a lot of people have had it. So Mm -hmm. maybe you also have the best luck on the team. Could be. I mean, a lot of the guys who've had it uh, do kind of report feeling off for, for a few weeks after. So, I mean, I, it's definitely a blessing that I haven't had to deal with that. And, and we're not sure what the long-term effects are. So uh, that's definitely a blessing. But at the same time, I mean, it's a lot of time off with all the contact tracing and whatnot. So 
but it is what it is. Let's talk basketball for a second. We'll, we'll move away from, from COVID if, if that's even possible. Um, you guys have had had a really odd start to the year, right? You've played a couple of D ones, you know, you, you had Purdue on the ropes, you had Vandy on the ropes. It just, the, the games didn't go your way. Um, do you feel like you guys are close to, to kind of getting over that hump a little bit? Yeah, I think we're extremely close. I mean, obviously it's tough when we have to stop and start uh, throughout the season, but uh, I really do like where we're at. I mean, the record uh, probably doesn't show the same uh, level of confidence that I have, but um, I mean, I, I really do like where we're at. Uh, we come in every day, we practice hard and everything. And uh I just feel like we're coming together uh, each and every time we're back on the floor. And uh, I mean, like you said, we had some really close games, some winnable games, and there's just a few minor, minor details and things that we got to uh, fix and, and tweak, but I really like where we're, where we're at. And they're, they're simple, simple fixes. I so as soon as those kind of dial in, uh, we should be winning some games. Going into this year, you know, the, the people that cover the conference looked at it and said, well, they lost their best player. Um, they lost their sharpshooter. They lost their do-everything guy in Kaiser. And they picked Valpo to be finished low in the standings. Do you guys pay attention to that at all? Um, and and if, if so, how do you use it to, to build off of that? Yeah, I don't think we really pay attention to it too much. I mean, we just come in the same mindset every day. Uh, we're trying to get 1% better every day. And over the long run, that's going to point us in a positive direction. Uh, so, I mean, we lost what we lost, but we got lots of guys who are ready to step up and, and make a good impact and uh, win some games. So. And I want to ask about those as, 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 you know, come a couple of my final questions. You went through an experience last year being new to college basketball. And here comes Jacob and here comes Connor and here comes Sheldon these guys who are brand new to this, what has been your role with them? They're going to be teammates of yours for three years, right? Maybe four years, depending on how this uh, extra year of eligibility plays out. What's your, uh, what's your relationship like with the new guys and how can they help you? Yeah. I mean, it's all, it's uh, all the relationships are great. They're all great guys. And uh, you know, they've been really fun to play with and, and get to know. And uh, something that sticks out is they're all really hard work workers, all three of them. So it's really nice to see them all in the gym uh, when we can get in the gym. And, uh, you know, I just try to point them, give them little little things they can focus on, uh, whether it be on defense or, or different reads on offense and things. Obviously, I've been through it. Uh, so just, you know, trying to be a little bit more of a leader to the younger guys. And then, uh, you know, just bringing them alongside and, and working with them, whether it be getting extra shots or, or extra work after practice, things like that. My final question for you is the unique nature of COVID has meant that when you play a conference team, you're going to play them back-to-back games. Um, this first test, this first challenge is going to be Gage Prim in Missouri State. And I imagine you're going to have a lot of bruises after the first game and, and a bunch mm-hmm. after the second game. How, as a basketball player with film prep and all of that in recovery time, like, how challenging do you think that second game will be to, to be able to make adjustments on the fly and, uh, and build on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's going to feel a little bit different having to go back to back with 
with uh, tough games like, like playing Prim and, and guys like that. But I think we're ready for it. Uh, we practice hard each and every day. So, I mean, I'm going against big bodies like Malik and everything uh, day in and day out. So uh, I'm sure we'll be just fine. Very good. Ben Cricky, thank you very much for joining. Stay out of quarantine while you're at it. And uh, <laughs> okay. best of luck on as you navigate this crazy world we're in. Yeah, thank you. Thrilled to be joined by Brett Kramer, the Director of Public Relations from Indiana Sports Corp. Brett, we go back a long way, the Horizon League days. And, uh, and maybe my favorite memory was, uh, even though I don't think either one of us were supposed to, we figured out how to snag front row seats to the last final four that's ever been played. <laughs> yes, <Minneapolis>. we did. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was so, so much fun um, uh, knowing, I think, I don't even remember who was all there now, Virginia, Auburn, Texas Tech, and somebody else. Was it Michigan Seriously? State? Michigan, it State? Michigan State, yeah. I'm playing with you. Uh, Brett, <laughs> Brett is a graduate of Michigan State. And um, I think after the first game, we knew the beat reporters from the other team were in the press conference and in the media room. And so we were like, Hey, let's, uh, let's mosey on up here to uh, the front row. And uh, it was amazing. One of the coolest sporting experiences I've ever, I've ever had. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, kudos to Michael Presti. Um, I believe I was sitting in his seat for the final four while he was back of house writing. So, but yeah, I mean, not, I it much better than that courtside at the was, final it was plausible deniability for me. I will never say whose seat I was sitting in because I think I moved around to a couple different ones. Um, I think I tried to get in Charles Barkley's seat at one point and that didn't work out for me. So, um, <laughs> well, hey, Brett, thank you for joining. Um, big news. This has been something that you and I have talked about separately before this all went was Indiana, Indianapolis is going to host the NCAA tournament. Like that's a really simple sentence to say how simple was it to make that sentence a reality? Uh, not simple at all. If you really think about what goes into making a tournament of this size happen, the NCAA's crown jewel of championships, it's, it's 67 games, 68 teams. And on top of that, you have to put those teams on hotel rooms. You have to get those teams fed. You have to make sure that they have practice facilities. You have to make sure they have facilities actually play those 67 games. And the craziest thing about it is that we're doing this in this time of COVID and during this pandemic. So you take what a normal event would look like, the complexities with that, and you times it by a hundred because we have to really make sure when all these people come to the city of Indianapolis and the state of Indiana, they feel safe and they're able to do what they love to do and that's play basketball. So it was a lot of weeks um, of a lot of work by a lot of different partners throughout the city and state that we're very grateful to come together for really this one goal of making all of March Madness happen in our state. And we couldn't be more thrilled with the announcement getting out to the world yesterday. And you tweeted earlier today uh, about how interesting it was for you to be making this announcement right now, given what you've got going on in the world. Um, I guess I don't want to say it if you don't want to talk about it. No, but. it's fine. Um, I have been battling COVID the past two weeks. Um, you know, my husband have been locked in our, our house. And although we will, we're very grateful, we're going to be fine. Um, it's kicked our butts. And it's, it, I'm very grateful for, especially the frontline heroes at this time that are dealing with this day in and day out and really making our country run in a pandemic. So those, those things make a basketball tournament seem a little bit small, but then I also know 
people need happiness to get through this time as well. And we know that the NCAA tournament can do that. And, and we know in, in really in Indiana that we can do it in a safe way. And although this COVID pandemic is very serious and, and very scary, we're really confident that we can bring people in, make them feel safe, put on these events. And, and now I know what it feels like and it, it's not great. And I don't wish it on anybody, but I think it's, we have a lot of confidence going forward that we can do this in a safe manner. And I think that's why Indiana is hosting the tournament to begin with, because we have a proven track record of successfully hosting events. And first and foremost in any event, whether you're in COVID or not, is the safety of all the people involved. So we, we certainly don't take that lightly. So, you know, I'm from Wisconsin originally. And so Indianapolis is not a place that I grew up. It's not anything that I've ever felt like a connection to until I started working in this field. And I've realized that Indianapolis, for my money, is the best big sporting event town in the country. And, and I say that because while there are other cities that are glitzier and more glamorous, like LA and New York and Chicago and all of that, like if I drive through Chicago when the Bears are playing a game, I don't necessarily, like the, the city isn't taken over by Bears fans or anything like that. But when there's a big sporting event in Indianapolis, you feel it everywhere. And I've been there for the Final Four. I've been down there for Super Bowl week. I've been down there for all the, all the big stuff, a lot of regionals and all of that. Um, what is it about the city, do you think, that just embraces being the, the nation's host for a big event? Uh, we use this tagline at yesterday's announcement. I don't think it could be hold more true now is that Indianapolis specifically was truly made for this moment. Um, if you look at the structure of downtown, there is a reason why the convention center is connected to the hotels. There are, there's a reason why the hotels are so close to Georgia Street. There's a reason why Georgia Street is so close to the facilities in Lucas Oil Stadium and Baker's Life Fieldhouse and the wonderful restaurants like St. Elmo's that people come and love and Prime 47 is that we were strategically set as a city to hold large scale sporting events. So that was all put into action in the late seventies, early eighties through something called the sports strategy. So a lot of people don't realize that Indianapolis has been very, very spearheaded in the sports movement for more than 40 years now. Now, just because you have facilities and you have the infrastructure put in place to host events, can't forget, of course, our airport, just a hop, skip and a jump away, doesn't mean you're gonna be successful. And I think the big reason why Indianapolis has had so much success and will continue to have success is really just how we work together as a community. I mean, at Indiana Sports Group, I was working with the NCA, Visit Indy, the mayor's office, the governor's office, the airport, the hotels, all these people come together for one goal. And that is really for people to come into our city and be like, wow, we love Indy. They know how to do it right. And really the backbone, not just with all the partner organizations, really comes down to our volunteers in the Hoosier hospitality that people come in, they embrace the event, they're happy that sports are here, they're grateful that sports are, and people are coming in to boost our economy. And it's just something that we take a lot of pride in. All the sports organizations in the city, yes, they are supporting the Colts and the Pacers and the Indy 11 and the Indianapolis Indians, but I think they all realize that we are community organizations first and sports organizations second, and I think the fact that we all value the community side of what our organizations bring 
to the table. I think that's why we found so much success. And it's wonderful to hear people like you who aren't native of Indiana or Indianapolis, but still come in and have a wonderful experience. Well, I can tell you that the last big event, I, well, I should say, so the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament was the last big event that I did before COVID. That was March 5th to the 8th. But the weekend or two before that, I was in town for state swimming and it, it coincided with the NFL draft combine. And let me tell you, I watched, uh, I watched them turn the, the key and lock the doors on Prime 47 a couple nights while I was down there. And uh, whew, that was a good time. I enjoyed that. Okay, uh, I wanna bring it a little bit closer to my home here. The, so the tournament is gonna be at, uh, at Banker's Life, at the, at the fairgrounds. Um, it's gonna be at uh, Lucas Oil and now Assembly Hall, and then all the way up 65 up to Mackey Arena. Um, was there ever any conversation about going a bit further north on 65 and hitting Northwest Indiana at any point, whether it be Valpo or Notre Dame or, or, or even going down to Indiana State or Evansville or anything like that? I'm not too privy to some of those conversations, Paul, but I know based on how stringent we wanted to be with our safety protocols and procedures, the tighter knit community that we could build, the better. So naturally you think um, hotels in Indy, what are they most closest to? The venues in Indianapolis. So to your great point, that would be two um, courts at Lucas Oil Stadium, Bangers Life Fieldhouse, the Coliseum and in Hinkle. I think those were pretty much no brainers. And then I think from there, you really look at what venues are still relatively close to Indianapolis that can give really these student athletes and these coaches the best experience possible. And I might be a little bit biased, but you can't get better than Simon Scott Assembly Hall and Mackey Arena. Just you walk in there, it's a beautiful facility. You feel basketball in the bones of the structure and that would give a great experience. So I do not know if conversations were held to bring it a little further north or a little further south, but I do know they wanted to keep it as compact as possible, just knowing a lot of teams are coming in a lot of safety protocols are being done and it's much easier to do that in a compact situation than one that is very much statewide with games taking place hours and hours away from each other. This feels like I saw a tweet earlier today that you're going to bring 68 teams in and they're going to be there, you know, for you'd figure a minimum of three days that, you know, if you come in, you practice a day, you play, you you leave if you lose or whatever, maybe a little bit of three or four days. Um, just the catering of local businesses for restaurants or whatever, this could be a massive, massive influx. Even if fans can't be there, and I'm sure that you're, that's the next step is aiming to see how can you make this safe. I would think that bringing in, you know, 40 people or whatever each school brings in is going to be a, a huge, huge boom to the economy, I would imagine, in a year where anything would be helpful, right? Absolutely. We're estimating right now on the low end, um, nearly 3,000 hotel rooms being utilized. And that's from the team, the, the personnel, everybody involved with that, of course, officials and all those people you also have to bring in. And then really, we're looking at probably a nine-digit economic impact. So hundreds of million dollars influx into both the city of Indianapolis and state of Indiana. So it's no small fee. Of course, we want fans. Of course, we want to create that lively atmosphere that really runs throughout the entire city. But at the end of the day, 
this is a huge feat for Indy at a time where most cities need a wonderful comeback. So we really think that Indianapolis is set up for this type of event. And of course, we're thrilled knowing that people are coming in, people will be ordering food, they'll be at our hotels and the influx of money that's coming into the city will really not only make March and April successful, but really make Indianapolis continued success going forward as well. Well, Brett, I want to thank you very much for taking the time to chat with me today and uh, get some rest, right? I mean, I, 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 not even because of COVID, but just because of, uh, I'm sure this has been no small feat. And I'd imagine, you know, maybe you don't get a break. Maybe as John Rothstein of CBS Sports says, we sleep in May, that might be the next opportunity for a break. Yeah, I, I will probably, um, I love that. We probably will sleep in May. And I think the one piece of all this, Paul, is that people are, are not necessarily forgetting, but we're used to having years to plan a final four. And we have two months to plan everything, to plan the entire big dance. So um, we may not get much sleep. You have years to plan for three games. You now have two months to plan for 67 games. Yep, (laughs) you got it. It's, It's pretty insane, but I know the people of Indianapolis and the people in the throughout the state are so grateful for this opportunity and are very thankful for the NCAA for trusting this in our hands. And I know we're going to, uh, I guess I can't really say knock it out of the park because that's the wrong sport, but you get what I mean. Um, and we're just grateful. And you know, if we don't get sleep for a couple months, that's fine because the payout and the reward will be wonderful come May. And, you know, if you're in Indiana in May, you're thinking race. So I don't know when we'll ever get sleep, but that, but that's certainly okay. Well, I'm looking forward to, uh, to coming on down there and then uh, seeing whose spot I can steal in the front row. So uh, it should be a blast. So perfect. I can't wait to, I, I won't probably be able to sit courtside with you in my role for this year's madness, but it will be wonderful. And I know we can't wait to see a bunch of familiar faces like yourselves in our city and enjoying everything that we already love about Indy. Well, thank you, Brett, very much. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Appreciate it.